welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. This is your host, Minion, also known as Rob. Well, today we'll go for a little bit of a ramble. It's a lovely day, a bit of a hazy sky, but uh, other than a few wispy clouds high up, it's um, very blue. And I can see, I can see what appears to be either plum or cherry blossoms on the uh, distant mountain there across about a I don't know, about a kilometre, just under a kilometre on the spur of the hill from where I am. So, well, I'm going to go off now for my walk. Uh, nice uh, brisk breeze and there's uh, new leaves starting to burst into green on the uh, branches in the park just below. Anyway, off I go. The sounds... I hear the, the sound of the wind in the leaves. Yeah, there are leaves on the trees already. I'm not sure if these are deciduous or if they're evergreen. And the smells as well, the smells of mulch. And uh, there's a clear kind of smell on the, a fresh smell on the wind as well. Um, people as well. There's obviously, you know, um, a reasonably dense population despite this being in a residential uh, area with plenty of greenery. You might hear the sound of birds twittering away. Occasionally they seem to break out in a bit of a scuffle or or anyway in some form of excitement um, it's being spring and all. So um, what has this to do with role playing I suppose? I suppose getting out like this, stretching your legs and looking at the colours and the sounds and the smells in the in the environment in your neighbourhood, particularly if you live somewhere near a place with a more natural environment as opposed to one that uh, has a greater um, extent of artificial <laughs> artificial sort of um, imposition. Is that a, is that too too verbose i can't think of any other words at the moment if you live in one you know you've got a place with a river or a park or something like that you you get these um colors and sounds and various sort of sensory um sensory uh inputs data god can't even get rid of the uh 21st century lingo from our natural discourse anymore can we Anyway, you get the, the, the sensory data information that, that um, can and should be put into your role-playing game. These bright yellow boss blossoms on this bush, and then the next bush has got these beautiful bursts of um, snow-white blossoms on, with uh, young green uh, leaves in the background. All this stuff, um, these little splashes of colour and sound and, and smell, uh, using simple adjectives should pepper your game and even if it's not a game listen to the sound of the cars even if it's not a game set in some kind of a fancy role-playing environment some kind of like a more naturalistic environment the sounds of people dogs uh, the flip of a butterfly um, the sounds of uh, in, uh, engines and uh, you know cars, vehicles, and stuff like that. Um, all this, these things uh, are occurring in the background of your adventure. 
and without going into you know a, a two three column double page uh, discourse you know GM kind of bloody narrative you, you can put this stuff feed these little things pepper these words into your adventure to remind them that they're they should be imagining a certain uh, backdrop to to uh, the action that makes up the majority of the adventure uh, and then and that's how I suppose role playing creeps into the game and it becomes something more than um, a set of dice rolls or random uh, actions or random um, assertions of personality and it becomes something on a background and only when you get something that's on the background to those personalities and those actions actually take any have any meaning and this I suppose draws me on to the next topic that is um, is uh, alignment and, and personality and backgrounds so I've been thinking about um, doing the doing the unusual for me I suppose and and returning to 5th edition even if only for a few sessions Um, the reason I want to do this is because well recently we've had Lyle uh, in our group who has been kind enough to run 3rd edition a 3.5 edition um, game and in this game one of the things I had about Pathfinder uh, if you've been following my conversations to date thing I've had about Pathfinder and 3rd edition is the, the, the complexity, unnecessary in my mind, the complexity uh, of the system and I'm not just talking about the feats um, the feats are kind of nice you know, if you can keep a handle on it all um, if you're meeting enough that you can remember the rules and if you're not uh, advancing too fast that you you can't keep it all in mind no, um, it's the, the skills that kind of um, um frustrates me a little um, that list of skills on your character sheet so you're always searching for that particular skill that you're good at that you can leverage in the game now what I liked about Lyle's game was that he doesn't do that um, instead um, we weren't looking at the character sheet to see what we were doing um, we were describing what we were trying to do we are trying to to investigate certain things or trying to seal a deal, uh, a contract and ask her about the um, situation and gather information in a way that really didn't you know, need roles we, we weren't asking, can I make an investigation, I'll go to the docks, can I make an investigation check or anything like that we, we were saying, well, we were making drawing logical um, deductions um, trying to arrive at um, uh, rational conclusions uh, based on information that we could get garner from role playing, and in some cases, uh, Lyle ruled that it was unnecessary to make a role because we'd asked the right people and we could just go to the right places. Um, <clears throat> for example, we asked to look at the, <clears throat> we you know the, the cargo of the ship that we were going to board. And to double check that this was a, the real deal, you know, and we weren't being double crossed somehow. And we found out that they were, uh, in fact, um, um, equipped or 
or uh, loaded, is that the right term? They were uh, equipped for a uh, light expedition as opposed to a merchant expedition or a war expedition. Though these things can be found out and discovered through uh, role-playing. And that's what role-playing is. It's when you engage with the world around you that, that is presented by... Um, around your character, I should say, that is presented by the GM, and it's the players that are the, are the, you know, the, the interface there. The, the important is that they are the interfaces. Um, that is the important element there. The player agency and their their efforts to engage in the world. Um, it's not the dice rolls that do that because um, if it was the dice rolls you can, as I've said before you can take the players out of the equation and have it um, automated using AI and have an AI arrive at a story and make the dice rolls and, and find out the consequence of investigations and, and uh, combats and have the players as a uh, as uh, spectators and just have it just pe- everybody could watch it all hap- uh, happen as is the case with many actual plays today um, and that could be where we're moving with role playing um, because um, to return to what I want to discuss what we sometimes see is that people role play their characters as these kind of wacky random creatures and we saw this not just today so I can't, we can't blame it on any form or addition of role-playing. Um, rather, yeah, it was, it was happening back in the day. So I remember we had the alignment system, of course, and we still do. And people would opt to be chaotic neutral. Well, why would they be chaotic neutral? Because it meant they could do whatever they wanted. They could act outside of the alignment system while still be in, being within the alignment system. Um, and they would say, well, that's what my character would do. And they'd just do random stuff, whatever they felt like today. Um, they could be good or bad. They could um, murder without any, uh, without reason. Or they could be kind and beneficial uh, as, they, as they felt like, you know, according to whim. Um, and that's, that's how they interpreted the, the, the chaotic chaotic and neutral elements of their alignment um, wow this is interesting so I'm now I'm just crossing a road there's a little shrine it has a swastika on it oh my god a swastika you say yeah well it's a, a Buddhist shrine then a swastika is a Hindu Buddhist symbol and the, the symbol as it is here it's, it's turning towards the left and it's flat on the base. Um, what you'll see with the uh, the, the Nazis uh, swastika that was used for uh, by Germany uh, during the interwar and the war years um, is usually on an angle of forty-five degrees, so that it's kind of turning. Um, but yeah, the, it's, this is an ancient symbol of uh, the Indo-European people and culture, which extended from from Ireland, I suppose, to to Japan and uh, included the philosophical and religious sort of um, cultural um, baggage uh, rather than being an ethnic thing, necessarily. Um, And yeah, it's it's still used in Hinduism and Buddhism today. But what I wanted to talk about about was on my left-hand side, there's a a, um, rice paddy 
it's kind of slightly bleached it's baked in the sun because we've had a few days of sun recently there's something growing in there with some yellow blossoms um not sure what that is but this will probably be plowed up very shortly and planted and they will open a sluice and allow the water to run in um that's just another thing that even in a city of 1.5 million we have these little rice paddies here and there occasionally in the still in the um on the edges in the not, not it's not really rural at all you know it's still a cosm cosmopolitan city um but we have these little <coughs> agricultural remnants <coughs> Um, because people need to eat, right? Less so now, because you can import stuff. But if you're talking about a, um, mid, you know, Middle Ages setting, um, you might want to avoid what uh, many fantasy writers like talking to and forget about the uh, agri agrarian culture. You might want to play it up in a manner like you find in RuneQuest. Anyway, uh, back to alignments. So, yeah, the... You, you have people who think that role-playing is just being wacky uh, and coming up with these wacky ideas and doing what they feel like, you know. Um, and sure, yeah, I'm not the gatekeeper. You do what you want. Um, I, I've experienced that. I've probably engaged in it um, to a greater or lesser extent. And uh, walking under these cherry blossom trees, <laughs> another aside... Little bursts of pink against an almost kind of like iron colored uh, tree trunks. Let me just get past these people taking a photo with their daughter. Let's see what Anyway, so I don't, they weren't talking to me. <laughs> so, anyways, um, yeah, um, what I want with people, what I want people to do is is buy into a world and I, again uh, you can never stress how important a session zero or or equivalent um um starting page is for getting a game running that we we need people to to create characters not be because not because they haven't made that kind of character before but because we're running a certain type of game with us, with certain people and we're running a social game a group game um, because that's what I run um, and in order for those things to work you can't you know if, if I say as I just recently said with, for the 5th edition sessions I want to run we're playing a standard D&D &D game with uh, you know with the, with the court using the core rules of 5th edition um, the standard classes we've got four players so we, we, we need characters that are would be good at stealth and combat kind of like commandos regardless of class that are able to act in those capacities and that they're going to be engaged in uh, heroic actions heroic actions they're going to be helping people and fighting against evil if the player as happened on this occasion um, then says right okay can I be a chaotic evil uh, halfling sorcerer well alright I'm, I'm cool with the halfling sorcerer bit in fact I, I would really love the player to play a sorcerer or a wizard because 
it's something that would really engage them into um, into the game and with their character and it requires them to come up with uh, in, intelligent and uh, creative um, responses to to the game um, but the, the chaotic evil part just comes out of left field because it, it is at complete odds with the goals of our group that have been set for the past two years and for the kind of game that I play which is, uh, you know, if I'm playing D&D it's taken... It's ta- it should be taken as um, obvious, left unsaid, that we're playing heroes in a heroic world. <clears throat> Particularly if I state that in the um, description, background description for the game, you know, that I'm trying to promote or sell to them. So then, um, it, it, it kind of it upsets me, which is why I'm saying this here. And if the player is listening, um, hopefully this goes passes as some kind of uh, uh, explanation of why I say, um, if you're going to be evil, please don't be chaotic evil. And I prefer people not to be chaotic neutral. Um, I'd rather people were alignments that, even if they're evil, they're able to act in a rational manner and socially um, acceptable manner within the game world and so that (laughs) yeah uh, that's it I mean even if everybody said yeah we're cool with an evil complete psycho character in the group it still undermines the group when you've got four players and you've got one that's always doing things uh, selfish deeds and uh, unpredictable actions it undermines the group um, it makes the game um, if you're running a certain type of game it ups the, the ante it, it uh, increases the jeopardy for the group because they're not oper- they're not going to be operating if the players are on board they're not going to be op- operating um, co- co- cohesively so <clears throat> what kind of I mean if you threw out alignment some will say then you get rid of this problem but I would argue that that doesn't really solve the problem because right if you've got chaotic evil people are going to be what they're going to want to be that right it's like Lou Pulsifer's um, famous first edition um, necromancer class in the White Dwarf if you if you publish it and you say well it's actually only for um, it's actually only for uh, NPCs people are going to want to play it anyway right uh, for their PC because it kind of looks great and exciting and uh, and you want to be an evil character sometimes cool I understand that but in reality if you try it and you get involved in all that stuff it's pretty dark I mean you know do you really want to play sessions upon session after session of or, of, of murder and sac- human sacrifice sacrificing children and women and um, not to mention if you're playing evil characters you're getting, getting into some other very dark areas uh, of human action and thought that I just don't find <laughs> I don't want to get into you know um, the game should be um, the game should be if not heroic it, it should be enjoyable I think so removing the alignment 
does it solve the problem? No, it doesn't. Because the people who are going to play evil, you know, on the side of... They, they may play a neutral character, but they're still doing it so that they can act evil when it fills them uh, when it when it suits them excuse me and so similarly if you take out alignment it suggests that everybody is more or less neutral and again you're going to have players who decide to play their character um, however they feel like at any time <clears throat> and that's just not how people are in the real world what informs our decisions about good and bad um, are a, a complex group of, of, of uh, um, ideals and, and thoughts and beliefs, um, part upbringing, upbringing um, which may include cultural and religious um, uh, beliefs, and these different things that people experience over their lives, if they're a human being, you know, over 20 years before they go out into the real world, they colour their responses. And other things that colour their responses would be the, the, the culture which they're operating within. Not just the, the laws, but although that is extremely important, but also the cultural norms uh, of what you can or should do. Um, if you believe you don't have that you you don't have to uh, operate according to cult cultural norms or laws there's nothing stopping you except yourself from committing certain actions um, and the problem with role playing games is that we don't role play through the first 20 years of uh, of their upbringing within that fantasy setting um, they they can completely ignore the religious or philosophical um, or ethical um, <clears throat> basis which they would have been brought up with and instead they're just uh, free act free actors um, with um, powers the power to give and take life uh, that exceeds that of the average person so it's a kind of like a kind of god 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 kind of complex going on and uh, if they feel like it, they, they can burn everything down and become murder hobos. Um, and that's not a problem of alignment. That's a problem of role-playing. That's a problem of tr not engaging with the imagined um, fiction. Yeah? We, don't, we, shouldn't have, we shouldn't have to go through um, a rule book to say, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do that. They should understand that their characters um, um, probably have these beliefs and that they should act rationally. Um, uh, and sadly, a lot of people who um, roleplay don't actually roleplay. Um, they're merely being uh, these free actors, these unusual quirky personalities that operate um, independent of the world of the role-playing background um, um, and I'm not talking about character backgrounds I'm talking about the, the world background um, they're always given you know being sassy with the with the nobles or the king and stuff like that um, and it just wouldn't happen in real societies in real societies you don't see people act 
uh, antisocially unless they want to be treated as pariahs. Um, um, all you need to do is look at any society in the world now and use that as a basis. So if you, if you think that your characters should be these kind of libertarian heroes that work independently of, um, by, you know, kind of like a, independently of everything else, <clears throat> and they win, they, the greatest good is the fact that they are um, entirely free. And that freedom is in itself good. Then you need only look around the world and see societies that operate according to that uh, law or norm, and see that they tend to have uh, very interesting uh, correlations between <coughs> freedom and crime uh, and uh, murders by gun, gun you know, by, through gun, use of guns and stuff. Uh, and uh, so and if you look at uh, countries like uh, Japan here you'll see a great deal of conformity um, uh, to laws without the laws having to be policed all the time that people automatically comply with uh, the social norms and laws Um, and there's other countries that fall somewhere in between these are what you might call extremes to extremes but um, I've lost my train of thought but yes please players you know um, let's remember that the adventure uh, or if there's not uh, a specific adventure or plot or whatever story that, that the experience that you're doing enjoying with other people at the table is um is a collaborative one um it, or at least it's a, a social and a group one and you your what you should be doing i think i think what is more healthy to do at least is to to find a kind of um if you're wrong playing is to <clears throat> play a character that that responds in a believable manner to the fiction being presented. And I think that's uh, as close as I will get to a conclusion here. And perhaps some of you have some thoughts. Perhaps you, some of you will think that this is a very gatekeeping sort of um, way of uh, approaching role-playing games. Of course, I'm not suggesting that you should have the same beliefs as me or the same goals uh, with your hobby, um, your time commitments or your your uh, interests will no doubt vary from those of mine. But anyway, um, if you have any uh, other views or you, you agree with me or you ha- would like to add to this string of thoughts about, um, I guess it was meshing with the world around you and using sights and smells and believing, trying to create a rational uh, sense of a suspended belief, <laughs> then uh, yeah, give us a call.
So I'm just going to leave it at that today. That's all you're getting from me. That's enough rambling. Um, oh, I'll be back next time, hopefully with some other ideas. Maybe some game reports. We'll see. Um, I wouldn't mind a few call-ins. Yeah, kind of fill out the program a bit. Give it a little bit more life. It's very hard to, to do this um, riffing by yourself all the time. Certainly difficult to come up with anything that probably would be of uh, much interest to anybody, but hopefully it's not been a complete waste of time. I do uh, personally like to put my ideas down uh, in this form anyway as a, a form of, uh, I don't know, diary keeping. So it's not entirely waste uh, whatever happens. Anyway, until next time, take care and uh, goodbye.